Hey, Don. Hello, Zach. This week, you sent me an article from The New Yorker, and it's about our returns and the returns of the things that we buy, especially the things that we buy online. And here's the best paragraph I read. Steady growth in internet shopping has been accompanied by steady growth in returns of all kinds. A forest's worth of artificial Christmas trees go back every January. Bags of green plastic Easter grass go back every spring. Returns of large screen TVs surge immediately following the Super Bowl. People who buy portable generators during weather emergencies use them until the emergencies have ended, and then those go back too. A friend of mine returns so many digital books to Audible that the company now makes her call or email if she wants to return another. People who've been invited to fancy parties sometimes buy expensive outfits or accessories, then return them the next day. Caviar stains and all, a practice known as wardrobing. Rick and motor shoppers also return purchases. Petco takes back dead fish. Home Depot and Lowe's let your return dead plants for up to a year. You just have to be shameless enough to stand in line with the thing you killed. It almost goes without saying that Americans are the world's leading refund seekers. Consumers in Japan seldom return anything. And Don, this article just goes on to talk about all the things we return, the economic implications of it, and what does it say about we as Americans? What did you think about the article? Uh, I thought the article was fascinating. Uh, it goes into depth about the culture of returns, and Americans are far into that. I can tell you that there's often a box sitting on our dining room table that needs to go to Whole Foods and via to Amazon. And so, yeah, returns are a big thing. And it's I've always wondered, what's happening? Are these things being resold? Are they being packaged as new? And the answer is no. It's just a Byzantine path that I would not have expected. It's a path of, of just sort of giving up by these companies, it feels like. It just seems like it's too complicated for them to take your individual item and get it back on a shelf with any sort of economic efficiency. And I think that that's the biggest part is these companies just seem to accept the loss. They just tack it onto the price when you buy it. And I was amazed. They, they, you know, they said about 8 to 10% now of all returns, uh, of all sales are returned. They said that like, if you're buying clothes, these companies basically expect 40% of all sales to be returns at some point. That was shocking to me. Well, and the returns get, they get pennies on the dollar for the returns back. And uh, we describe, I'm just, the article describes the process where people are just buying giant tractors or trailers or uh, pallets full of stuff and sorting it out and trying to resell it to, dollar stores and whatnot. I mean, they're not getting much money back. The article didn't talk about it a lot, except for the very last paragraph. What I was thinking is, well, if 40% of these things are returned, then the price has got to be way inflated to make sense because they have to plan on all these returns. Right. And yet, for the most part, like when you're buying things online, you're usually thinking like, oh, that's a pretty good price or that's a yes. pretty good deal. Yes. <laughs> And therefore, you wonder how cheap could it get if these places offered no returns to try to cover their costs there. That was the thing that I think was just really amazing is it really just gave you a sense of just kind of how inexpensive goods really are in our country when you assume they're already building in the price of having to take a return. 
Well, yeah, and that's including the shipping to your house, which is not cheap. And so the actual cost of the thing on Amazon is got to be, I don't know, buying running shorts instead of for 10 bucks, which by the way, they had a tag on them that said 32. I'm really buying them for three. It's the shipping and the potential return that makes it more expensive. And at the very end of the article, there's a guy who fixes things and buys these returned items talking to a trade group. He says, what if I could guarantee you, I'll give you the laptop with the same price, twice as fast the processor, twice as much memory, better in every category, but you can't return it. And nobody wanted it. And I was yeah. like, wow, returns are just baked into how we think as Americans. And I also didn't know that was unique. Like you said, the Japanese don't really do it. Right. And and maybe that's also from a business standpoint of you basically just don't even offer people the returns or you make returns so difficult. Nobody wants to go through it. I also wonder if there's just a sense of honor that goes with other in other countries. Like when you buy something, like if you don't like it, well, you made your choice. You have to live with it. Whereas my favorite quote in the whole article, and it was in the best paragraph is you just have to be shameless enough. And the idea of like this goldfish is dead. Even if you killed it, Don, you can bring it back. You kill the plant, you can bring it back. Every one of these stores is set up to make the customer happy. And that was a big theme about this article was every one of these places is so terrified of losing a customer, of making somebody upset that they basically just accept everything. And I thought that was just interesting because, I mean, how often when you buy these things, do people just sort of like wreck it themselves or stain it themselves? My thing was that people like literally buy three pairs of shoes knowing they're only going to buy one. In fact, these companies encourage you to do that, knowing that maybe they're only going to make one sale. To me, the stuff that seems the worst, though, is I bought the TV just to show it off for the Super Bowl, but now I'm returning it. I never wanted it. Essentially, a free rental program. Well, they didn't mention Costco in the article, but Costco takes everything back no matter what, no matter how long except electronics but the electronics part is new like oh in really my most, like, like recently recently well fairly recently in one of my most shameful moments about 10 years ago i returned a tv that i'd had for eight years to costco and i took it back <laughs> because i wanted to buy an hd tv and I felt awful about myself. I shouldn't even say this on the podcast. I pulled my hat down low. I kind of wore ambiguous clothing. Like I'd like to return this. And they were like, oh yeah, that's our policy. Sure. It's and it changed the following year because they're like, yeah, yeah, I guess this guy's going to buy the TV at Costco. And I did. And I bought the mount there. So Costco ultimately was like, okay, I bet they tell their vendors, like you're going to have to eat so many returns and it's just going to eat it. And you have to deal with it. But yeah, you can return anything to Costco. I saw a family returning bones to Costco. They'd like eaten from... the meat. They brought back the bones. What was their reason? Does You don't have to have a reason. <laughs> I know somebody that said they're going to buy, they're moving somewhere for a year. So they bought furniture at Costco and they're going to turn it to Costco at the end of the year. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can't remember if I've told you this or not, but I, I used to work at Borders Bookstore. And I, I worked there just like during the holidays or whatever. And I, I'll always remember though, like this, this woman, she had a stack of books and, and she walked up to me. I was working the cash register. She was very humble and looked just kind of terrified. And she's like, I'm really sorry. 
my my husband and I, we just don't like these books. And I was like, okay. And, you know, I, I gunned them all and, <laughs> and and put the money back on her credit card. And and Don, it was a real moment for me because I always was sort of like her, like where it was like, I felt bad returning something. And then I just realized I don't care. My job is just to process <laughs> the transaction. Yeah. Like I, I literally don't care why this lady wanted these books or not. I remember one of my bosses at Border said, yeah, half the time we're, we're taking back like Barnes and Noble books. And we'll just end up doing that with like store credit or something like that. And then we know that people are just going to still shop here, you know, like, but I, it, it really just opened my mind to the people in returns aren't really making moral judgments. Maybe some of them are like, if you're returning bones, I, I probably am going <laughs> to judge you. Yeah. Well, and yeah, the, especially maybe not the book source at the moment, but the uh, Costco's not, they're not scraping together bits to try and keep the business alive. It's not like your mom and pop store that aren't going to eat dinner tonight because the, you returned your hammer and uh, Mancelona, Michigan. Like this is just, it's a giant corporation and people don't feel bad about it. And the corporation has made a judgment like, yeah, we'll take all these returns and we'll figure out what to do with them. Yeah. Well, they, they they said there's a direct correlation between essentially the rise in like Walmart and Amazon, who have some of the most generous return policies, and they're just sort of rise as some of the largest companies in the world. And it's it's just bled into everybody else. And I and do you think a part of it is just that like Americans want choices and we want choices all the way to the bitter end? And even after purchasing, there's some sort of a relief in people's minds that they can always just take the product back if, they, if they're if they still unhappy, even though they chose to buy it. And is that why psychologically returns just matter so much? Well, yeah, and it makes this person a consistent shopper because I can look at, the, I mean, Amazon has made the shopping experience so easy on the app on my phone. I can pick out the shoes I want, order them. And even and if I don't like them, I'm going to drive by Whole Foods at some point in the next few days. I can just walk in and drop it off. And it's so easy. And then they're, they're gone and they'll refund my card. They've made it a great shop experience. I'm going back to Amazon again. Now, that said, those shoes might I don't know where they're going. They're going to be carted off to Arkansas and somebody's going to buy a pallet of shoes for 10 cents on the dollar and then try to resell them to people. I mean, that's what they're doing. If anything, I kept thinking about the hypocrisy of your quote unquote environmentalists. And mm -hmm. I, I know a lot of people that want to lecture me all the time about my carbon footprint. And Don, I have a large carbon footprint. But these are the same people that like want to talk about how like, you know, the world is melting and the forests are declining. But they also have like 35 Amazon packages on their front porch and they're also returning things and you realize the absolute waste and carbon footprint that's going to all of this and to me it just seems like it's one of those more hidden things that nobody really wants to talk about is just how bad for the environment this is i mean just a recent podcast you and i were talking about clothing donations right and it seemed like that's a good way to help the world and get somebody a free shirt. And what we realize is most of our clothes just end up in a landfill in a developing nation while it turns to concrete uh, within a couple of years. I bet you a lot of these returns end up there at some point. Yeah, there was a story about uh, Amazon or some other retailer trying to sell 
a truckload of fashionable women's shoes and they got with a value of something, a retail value of something like over a million and they got no bids. Nobody wanted it for $1. I mean, those, they just, it's just a loss. They got, they got nothing. Right. The, the, basically, as you were kind of talking about this whole secondary market and Partly, I guess this is the market efficiency to it. Maybe is slowly someplace for Amazon acquires sort of theme palettes, it sounds like. Like at one point in the article, they talked about how like there was a palette of sporting goods, like everything from like golf clubs to like Frisbees to, um, you know, like nets and stuff like that. And what was interesting was they were like, the retail value of the palette was $6,576. And it just goes up for auction. And I, and I think it's kind of like a blind palette. I don't even know if you get to know everything that's in there. And they said some bidders just won it for $925. And now it's on their, their world to go try to resell this stuff. And as you're saying, the palette for designer shoes, Don, $181,000 worth of goods. And everybody thought it was too big of a risk to even bid a dollar because they just said apparel changes so fast Nobody thought they could actually make any money reselling that. Yeah, you got the numbers right. Sorry, I got them wrong. But yeah, absolutely. And so the carbon is to make those shoes, to ship them to the home, and then to ship them back to this other third-party location where ultimately nothing happens with them. It's just crazy. There's a lot of carbon being developed. My favorite uh, site to search for airfare is Skiplagged. And on it, it'll tell me not only the price of my airfare options, but the amount of carbon that is made with each <laughs> with each flight. And I could choose my flights based on least carbon output, or I could choose my flights based upon lowest price. You might not be surprised to learn that I'm looking at price the entire time. <laughs> but I wonder if we need to have this label on Amazon too. Like these shorts are, have a carbon contribution of whatever pounds versus these other shorts are more, twice as much because of the potential return risk or whatever. I, I think you're right. I, I would argue, though, that as a national marketing campaign, you've heard me talk about how I, I feel like the most overblown thing we talk about from the environmental movement is single-use plastic bottles. Oh, yes. As It's just a waste of everybody's time. But everybody feels better if we do that or if we recycle a single sheet of paper in your classroom. Why aren't we talking about, hey, order one thing online and don't return it? I mean, and nobody seems to be talking about this waste. And yet this seems to be a major driver. I, I just couldn't get over how many things people are returning all the time. In fact, there's the, the generous policies. They said people that will order dog food, basically they're like, yeah, I don't want the dog food or my dog died or something like that. <laughs> and half the time the dog food company says, you know what, just keep it because yeah. it's too expensive to even try to pay for you to return it. The furniture companies often will just say, keep the furniture, here's your $500 back. And it made me wonder like, how many people do you think just take a shot at it, right? Like I'm gonna buy a, a new couch and then I'm just gonna say, I wanna return this. And how many people just say, sweet, I got the refund and I get to keep the couch. Yeah, I wondered about that after I read that. But that's only happened to me once with a shower rug. The little thing is separate. That's not no, a couch. No, no. And Amazon <laughs> said just keep just keep it. Like, okay. 
but I wondered about that. Like, oh, well, you know, we got some uh, furniture for our screened in porch. It was like $600. I wonder if I could pretend to return it and get the, you know, it's. It all comes I'm down to how pro- shameless you are. Yeah. And then I'm part of the problem. And so I, I didn't do it. I'm happy with my furniture. I got a good deal. But yeah, it's fascinating to see how, how many people are playing the game. Now, another article I read a while back said that these tell me that a few people got banned from Amazon because they returned so much. So briefly, I was concerned about that. But then I realized we're one of Amazon's best customers. So I'm I'm not sure I need to worry about it. I have to assume they've got an algorithm or a department of people that try to decide, are you still a good customer? Uh, And they probably look at your sales and uh, to returns ratio or something like that, right? If my Amazon app starts glitching out, then I know that I've uh, crossed that threshold. Well, and overall, are you a net positive, right? And I I would assume that like, while this article points out at how much we return, it it clearly also suggests that we just shop a ton. And therefore, like that matters more than the returns. Again, they bake it into the price, but they did say that like returns nationwide are, are reaching about a $1 trillion number in value. And stuff like that and that just i thought that was crazy. low i assumed it'd be okay. more i i mean when i go to whole foods to return something i am never alone there's always other people coming at the same time to return stuff and and i look out my neighborhood i'm as likely to see a amazon truck or a ups truck or a fedex truck as i am to see a car especially in the afternoon like uh, there's these trucks are running constantly my dogs are getting hoarse trying to bark at all of them <laughs> probably you shared your 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 story of taking back a tv so i don't know six seven years ago my wife and i needed a new mattress and you know we we saw the ads for casper mattresses i think it was and um online mattress and sleep on it for 100 days and if you don't like it return is free right so all right we gave it a shot and I'll say this, it was an okay mattress, but it it was just not going to be a long-term solution kind of thing. So I called them and I just said, hey, like, it's just just not working. I I did feel bad. I'm like, I'm really sorry. The lady didn't even like acknowledge my I'm really sorry. She's like, okay, when do you want it picked up? And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, do you want it picked up tomorrow? Like two days from now or next week? And I was like, how about tomorrow? And literally done within 24 hours, a 1-800-GOT-JUNK truck showed up and just took our mattress and it's illegal to resell a used mattress in our our country. And therefore they just took it within another 24 hours. I was credited all of the mattress costs that I had. We asked the junk guy, like, where does this go? And he's like, well, a lot of them just go to a landfill. Sometimes we might be able to find a shelter where maybe they bend the rules a little bit about um, where they can take used mattresses. But I would say this, I would fully promote Casper mattresses to anybody, especially if you were going to college or you had like a small apartment and you needed a new mattress. I, I'm like like sold for life on Casper. Even though I don't own a Casper mattress, I was really impressed with how I was treated by them. Yeah, well, they probably save a lot of money on the not having a store and that retail cost of a storefront. But at the same time, were you tempted... We attempted to give the junk guy like, hey, man, here's 50 bucks. Just say you took the mattress away and I'll keep it. And I got a mattress. 
No, I, I really wasn't because it just it was it just I don't know where I would put the mattress because we really just needed to get a new mattress. And the last thing you want is, a you know, some mattress that you're tripping over in your house. But probably the guy would have I, I would assume or maybe he's got to take a picture. I don't know of, of him dumping the mattress in a landfill to, to get his credit. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, With a seagull and a raccoon in it like, ugh. Yeah, but if, if somebody was like, I don't know, I, I need to get a mattress and I'm moving to the city and I can't haul it, I'd be like, get one of these mail order ones. They, they'll treat you right. It's not the worst thing in the world. And I know this sounds like an advertisement for Casper. And if Casper wants to advertise on our show, we'd love to have them. Uh, they, they do like advertising on podcasts. They do. I, but I would just say I was stunned at how well I was treated. And then I also just realized that how wasteful my wife and I uh, were when we ordered that mattress and then got rid of it. I'm sure they've done the math and figured out how many they can take as returns and whatnot. I, I, I'm a little bit intrigued. I like my mattress though, so I, I don't need it anytime soon, but at some point I'm interested. Well, if you're just bored and you want to waste mattresses, you could just uh, go to the variety of companies, order them and take them back. Or if you're going to live somebody for somewhere for a year, you can do your Casper for 100 days, then do the next online one for 100 days, and the next one, and you can get through your year. Just like my friend that was doing the uh, Costco furniture and returning it after a year. You can do it. You know, it's funny you say that. You're right. You could probably do a whole lifestyle essentially on kind of a revolving door of credit where you get all these things and then you just slowly return them and, and never really own anything. And you're not really leasing either though. And and you don't even have to like sign, like, you know how, like you, if you want to borrow or you want to rent a car or uh, you want to borrow something from like a tool uh, renting company, there's this whole idea of like, this is the current condition. The expectation is you're going to return yeah, yeah, yeah. something in its current condition and they're like the expectation is you're renting it. Therefore, like you have to give them the money and the product back. Why would you ever rent anything when you could just quote unquote buy something, trash it, and then return it and get your full refund? I thought about that at Home Depot. They rent tools, but they also take you almost anything you return at Home Depot. So yeah, you could almost. But the tools they rent are not the ones they sell for the most part. It's uh, it's more intense stuff. But yeah, you're you're right about that. You rented last, a cement mixer the uh, last week. Couldn't you have just bought one and then returned it? <laughs> I was just gonna say that. Yeah, last week I had a cement mixer. I should. You're right. I, and they could have. I just. I wouldn't have even needed to like hose it out. I would have just like returned it with like crusty <laughs> cement all over it, dusty, and just been like, I wanted to take this back. Like, is there anything wrong with this, sir? No, I just used it. You guys figure <laughs> it out. It just seems like such a jerk move. And I'm not a huge returns guy unless like there was a problem. Although full disclosure, I was dropping off a shirt at Kohl's yesterday. My daughter decided oh. she didn't want it and uh, I returned it, you know, but for the most part, like I don't think we return a ton of stuff, but maybe I should get more into the game and feel less uh, ashamed of myself. Yeah, we return not a tremendous amount, but there are a fair amount of impulse buys on uh, Amazon. Then, oh, wait, that's not what I thought it was. It's a little smaller than I thought it was. It's a little bigger than I thought it was. So that's okay. We'll just return it. It's, you know, it's fine. We need to yeah. go. Well, or just how much of it is just people looking for entertainment, right? They get bored. They get lonely. They even said in the, in the, in the, um, in the article that some people are drinking and therefore they, 
end up making a purchase and then the next day there's all the remorse and therefore like they just return it right like how much of it is just a game for people is this something to do i just want to look at new things and then return it like i i I find this fun or it gives me a project, right? Like, oh, now I got to go and like go to the mailbox and return this thing. And maybe they just some people are just like an activity. You know what bring me happiness in my unfulfilled life? A new omelet pan. <laughs> it turns out it didn't actually make me happy and I returned it. You know who yeah. avoids this, I bet, is the television marketers. The uh, Ron Papil thing. The We've talked about those people yes. in the past with the late night infomercials. I don't think they take returns there. Uh, they might. It's just that it's probably really hard. Like you got to go like find Ron Popeil's phone number to call him and, and say like, I don't want this anymore. <laughs> and, and you got to talk to somebody. Whereas like all these other companies like Amazon, like they literally have the return label coming in with the product that you get. You know what the opposite of this is? Is trying to cancel your uh, cable with uh, calling up Comcast or something like, I want to cancel my cable. No, you can't. Like, you know, I I want I don't want to pay anymore. <laughs> like, they make it impossible to cancel anything. Right. No, it, 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 there has to be like, you know, 16 different phone calls. You're going to be put on hold. I mean, it's it's a real badge if you can find a way to cancel the cable. If anything, I think the streaming companies are now realizing it's too easy to cancel them because I've been yes. reading more reports about how like, you know, somebody might get Disney Plus for one month, watch everything they want to watch and then cancel it. And therefore, like they have this churn rate that's just kind of too high. Uh, and therefore, like they got to figure out how to make it harder to, to you know, quit them. Yeah, we, we do that. That's But then we also can come back. I, we had Netflix for a while. We decided we, there's nothing on Netflix. So we canceled for like almost a year. Then we joined and they made it, they welcomed us back. So there is that kind of fluid come in, come out customer. And then the hopes that we'll get busy and forget that we have this uh, membership subscription anymore and just pay forever. Yes. Uh, that, I mean, that's me is sometimes I'll get dinged on my credit card. I didn't even know that we were paying for, you know, some service we're not using. And I'm sure that's a wonderful business model for uh, these companies as well. They said that kind of the first company in American history to be generous was with returns was J.C. Penney. Over 100 years ago, the, the founder of that just basically said that you can return anything you want here. And that really caught the eye of a, of a former JC and Penny employee, Sam Walton, who went on to found Walmart, who also just recognized how much customers appreciated that ability to do that. In fact, people were like, you know, people that bought stuff at Sears were returning it to pennies and pennies was happy to take it because they knew ultimately it would make a customer in a sale and therefore, it's kind of interesting that like the idea of returns has been around for a very long time. It's just that now that everybody has adopted it. Oh, yeah. And it's a good model. It makes for people to take that first jump because they know they can return it. So they don't want to do that. Can you imagine starting a new business and saying no returns? <laughs> or maybe you could model it like or, or market it in a way of like, one chance shopping and and make it make people feel like they're daredevils because once you buy it all sales are final or something like that probably nobody's going to shop there well that's kind of like those trash stores like odd lots i feel yes. like they're buying all those returns and just putting it out there like just if you want this crap come and take it 
And that was a place we'd go <laughs> now and again where we used to live in the desert, which was not a super well the well off area in our particular town. You go to Odd Lots and just like, yeah, what it oh, here's some Connect Four games. Here's some yarn. Like perfect for elementary classroom shopping. I love that you have probably really well uh, defined what Odd Lots is selling yarn connect for. I think the only thing would be like a, a lot of vases or something like that to like <laughs> hold, you know, like just bad porcelain is there. And some really nice women's shoes in odd sizes. Yes. I Do you think it's ironic though that like here's JC Penney's a hundred years ago coming out with this very visionary American idea of returns and yet now it seems like J.C. Penney's is barely surviving and can't get out of its own way. Do you think that's like kind of ironic that like here they were with an, a great idea and they haven't been able to come up with a good idea since? Yeah, their models really failed. Uh, I think Target's eating their lunch with their low cost clothes and probably easy return policy. But yes, they uh, J.C. Penney hasn't evolved much since then. Well, they just, they, they they couldn't change or innovate. But I guess that's the same story with like Sears too, right? At one point, Sears, all everything kind of under one roof. And they too have kind of run themselves in the ground. And I guess it just maybe goes to show like sometimes you only get one good idea and uh, it's somebody else's turn to to lead after that. Well, remember that JCPenney was struggling and then they hired the guy that ran the Apple stores and gave him a dump truck of money. And then he was going to, make it cool and hip and he uh, got rid of all the coupons and then what happened though all the old people stopped shopping because there were no coupons young people didn't want to come to jc penny and jc penny is done right i mean i think there's still like a few of them out there but whereas that used to be like an iconic brand in our country and now it just seems like a place that, like on life support I life support is being generous. I don't even know where I'd go find a uh, a JC Penny. <laughs> you have to probably start with a Google search and do like your your uh, your zip code or whatever, I guess. And then probably at the top of the Google search, it would say shop at Target. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, Target's bought the rights to advertise for JC Penny. <laughs> That's sad. Well. You know, speaking along this line, I thought this was interesting, was that back in the day, before you had online shopping, you had mail order shopping. I remember like the Sears catalog would come to your house, but the real big one was L.L. Bean. And they said that L.L. Bean back in the day, in order to try to minimize returns, would actually encourage people to trace their foot on a piece of paper yep. and mail that in with their, their uh, purchase order so that they could get them the right size. And I guess my question is, like, how has Amazon not like figured out to like put your foot in front of your computer camera and then just like send that like image in and we'll, we'll, we'll better do this to try to be more efficient? This is the idea that I've had for Amazon, and I'm amazed they haven't done it, is I want to be able to somehow have my body scanned or upload that and just sort the stuff that fits me. I'm really tall and really long, but I'm not over, but I'm fairly thin. And I if I could just search for clothes that fit me, I would buy everything there. But I can't do that. And they I can't they don't somehow have that information. But yes, L.L. Bean was really good at that. My parents, my mom was a big fan of L.L. Bean, especially the clearance items issue. She would order a shirt for all of us <laughs> and the, the, that was orange because that was on sale. <laughs> um, 
And also, Zach, I've been to the L.L. Bean uh, outlet store in Freeport, Maine, and yes. there you just have limitless stuff that's been returned. Perhaps, yeah, probably all the returns were there. There were good deals. There are good deals to be had. Yeah. I Would you, because obviously some people would say, I don't want Amazon to have my body measurements in their algorithm. But a part of me feels like, no, like you're right. I, I think I would let them because maybe I would, if I could save some extra money and um, probably get stuff that fits, like, wouldn't that be a good idea? Absolutely. Just sort it by what fits me. I'm all in. And I'm not even a woman. Women's sizes are harder to find and doesn't don't make any sense whatsoever. But if you could just sort for what fits you, that'd be huge. I think yeah. that's the idea behind those uh, companies that sell, Stitch Fix or whatever. They send you a uh, big trunk of stuff that is fashionable and fits you and you can then use that or return it. Again, returns. Now, that's a great question with Stitch Fix, because my wife has bought a couple of Stitch Fix boxes every once in a while, and they just kind of ask you, like, what what is your personal sense of style, yada, yada. And then they send a couple articles to close, and then usually my wife would keep one or two of the items and send the rest back. I guess my question is, for, like, Stitch Fix, were they restocking, or are they just putting it on a pallet as well? Yeah, they've got to have something figured out. I doubt that they are... Uh... They're charging an accurate price. They're probably overcharging for everything and then using their uh, the returns just as a loss leader. So I don't know. That'd be an interesting one. They they, um, they mentioned a company and I visited their website. It's called Patriot Shredding. For a lot of these companies that do get returns, especially with like clothes or other articles, this company basically specializes in just destroying things. And... <laughs> And sort of their motto is like, don't hurt your brand by having bad products out there. And we will just crush it for you, shred it for you, destroy it for you. And therefore, I would assume there's a certain segment of goods that just, we got this back. We don't want it out there because you are learning sometimes that maybe you do have products that nobody wants or are defective. And therefore, the safest thing to do is just destroy them so that you don't get killed online with bad reviews. Yeah, well, you wouldn't want that. I, I don't know. I thought that was just sort of like another whole economy. It it made me remember when I did work at Borders that every month, the magazines, when there was the new issue that came out, all the unsold magazines from the previous month were went to a shredder. You were not allowed to like take the old magazines home and stuff like that. That was a strict policy of they must go to a shredder. And all I could think is the absolute waste in, in magazines and publications that, that never get read and are overprinted, but the, the stores and the, the publishers do not want them out. Do you ever sneak a mad magazine out of the uh, bin going to the shredder and like, ooh, I want to read that? No, I mean, I wasn't even allowed to handle that part of the business. That was like somebody else came in to do that. And, and like that was, I mean, again, we would accept anything as a return, but you didn't even like consider something like that because it almost seemed like it was like a criminal offense. And I remember like talking to a couple of the, the people that worked at like the coffee shop inside every night when, when we were closing all the donuts or muffins and food that was still sitting there all had to be incinerated. You know, like one of them was just like, like, look, like I struggle with like food security because I don't make enough to like get food. And it just really hurts my heart to like see all this food that we just have to throw away legally. 
I was like, man, like you, you, the, the waste on just returns is one thing, but then it, it hits all sorts of realms of, of stores and stuff like that. Oh, I used to work with somebody that bring the leftover grounds from Caribou Coffee into work. We'd, uh, Mr. Chad Sweat and I would throw those, you brew those up. It was good stuff. All leftover bags. Last yeah. night, my son was working at his uh, banquet facility and they, they promised him a meal every time and they didn't feed him. So they gave him the leftovers from the, uh, of the event that they're having that's the there you go it goes to use somewhere i'm sure we could i've read about food waste that's real bad we americans waste like 40 percent of the food we buy it's really bad but uh we need to get rid of these laws these laws of the jones act are the ones that have to go feed them to somebody it, it does make me think though that like these places that buy the pallets there's a place uh near our house i want to give a shout out to family friend Kristen Tebbett, who discovered a place called Bin Street. Don, I think you might like this place. They buy the Amazon pallets, and every day there's new pallets. And you can either go in and buy a pallet, or you can just go in and it's like grab bag shopping where you can go through the pallets and just buy Ooh. things at pennies on a dollar. My, my wife Ooh. just came home on Friday with a new like phone case that she got for like $2. And my kids always seem to have some new knickknack that's going to go sit on the floor that I'm going to trip over. But they love going to Bin Street because you just never know what you're going to find. It's sometimes it's like connect four, but without like the checkers and stuff like that. It's like some of it's broken, but some of it is perfectly pristine. And if you want to go hunting, uh, Bin Street is the place to be. This is something I'm going to do this week. I just looked it up. I'm like, oh, yeah, they, my wife's at work this week. My children don't have anything to do. This will be the perfect thing to do uh, and uh, go look around at this place. I'm intrigued. I, I'm not going to lie. Like, 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 literally, my wife will be like, if you guys are good this week, I'll take you to Bin Street. It's like, yes. <laughs> and so, like, on Friday, it's like, we're going to Bin Street. And I was like, hey, guys, like, do you want to go do this? Like, no, mom said we're going to Bin Street. We're waiting until we get to go to there. Like, and, and there is, there's a garage sale, like, sort of hunt to it, right? What is the mystery that's coming uh, to this thing? And can I get a really good deal? It's like that reality show where they open up the, the storage spaces or whatever and just what's in here. And, and, and there are now whole business models that are, uh, that are you know, advertising to it. Oh, I'm interested in this. This will be great. Uh, yeah, there's a place in Ann Arbor called the Scrap Box where they sell the old packaging stuff. And when your kids are real small, you go there and buy uh, cardboard tubes and uh, sticky foam, and then you build stuff with it. That's that's another one that's giving reuse to things. Yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously a secondary life. I guess it's kind of sad when you realize how much of it is being returned. And then you realize kind of how the, the resale market sort of has to work with it. I think I read an article once about it's somewhere in Alabama that buys all the suitcases that never find their owners at airports throughout the year. Ooh. And, I, you know, I, I would assume it's amazing to me now with all the tags, all the information that's out there. And yet there are still tens of thousands of pieces of lost luggage that just never find their owners. And therefore this store in Alabama is just like packed with clothes and like iPads and just random items that they just get opened up and, you know, people try to resell. I, I would kind of love to go see this store just to kind of see what's there, but I got to assume it would look like Goodwill or something like that. Oh yeah. I don't, uh, based upon the people I see at the airport, there's not many of the people there that I want to buy their stuff. <laughs> there's a lot of rich, busy businessmen and stuff like that. 
Yeah, but they'll have like dumb clothes, like you know, fancy jackets. What would I do with that? I don't, I don't know. I got nothing. Fancy Italian shoes? Nah, no, I'm good. The 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 final part of the article that I think just is worth mentioning is the author hangs out with this guy who essentially like owns a company that uh, is a repair company. And all of a sudden, a lot of these places will like say like, hey, we have this toaster that got like returned. Can you guys like take a look at it and let us know if there's just like one piece that the manufacturer needs to know about so that like we have less returns. These guys seem to specialize in that. They also just sort of seem to specialize in like processing lots of return goods. But the bigger point this guy was trying to make is we live in a nation where nobody knows how to repair anything anymore. And therefore, our solution is just return it or throw it away. And because new goods are so cheap, we've kind of like, we don't know how to repair ovens or toasters. And I just thought that was a really good point to make. No, yeah. And then he talks about um, how a lot of things are not made to be repaired anymore. I remember there was a TV repair shop in Ann Arbor. There's Nobody's repairing a TV anymore. By the time you get it, your old TV breaks and new ones twice as good and half the price and you're going to get that thing that things are glued together and so screwed together and these uh, appliance people repair people are losing their jobs because nobody gets appliances fixed anymore and i thought about that a lot recently i have a big dumb double wall oven that broke uh, two years ago and it weighed like 800 pounds and it was huge and what broke was the little circuit board but you couldn't find a placement for it so i threw this gigantic hunk of metal away to try it and probably generate a tremendous amount of carbon to replace it with another gigantic double wall oven with electronics that will inevitably go bad and the whole functional aspect of it is good and their good advice in that article was buy the thing with the least amount of features possible the least technology possible is what you want because that stuff will break anytime you're around heat you're probably you're looking for problems yeah, don't don't you don't uh auto clean your oven, don't self-clean your oven, don't definitely self-clean a double oven at the same time, develop a ton of heat and ruin everything. And uh yeah, I live in fear. I don't want to I love my dishwasher, I don't want it to die, but it's just it's not gonna the plastic and metal's not gonna break. What's gonna happen is the uh little circuit board's gonna short out and I won't be able to buy a replacement. Well, it's funny you mention that because at our old house, we we also had a double oven and the circuit board went bad. And I remember we had a repairman come out and he was like, all right, I got to replace the circuit board. Got to get a part from Texas. By the time we get the new board and then my time to get it all set up again, it was about two thirds of the cost of just getting like a new double oven, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's what's, I guess, kind of remarkable about America is that it's just cheaper to buy a new one than to actually get something serviced or fixed. And also just that, like, there aren't that many people out there that even have the expertise of how to fix something. And I just thought that was something to kind of reflect upon, I guess, of, of where we've gotten is just we've made it so that it's just so cheap to, to get something new. Well, labor is expensive and services like that are expensive. If we were in, uh, I imagine in India, you could probably hire somebody for 12 bucks to come and do that job. But here in America, it's going to cost a lot. They're going to drive a big vehicle. They're going to order something from far away. There's going to be profit everywhere and it's going to cost too much. So yeah, just go and buy a place. But I got a scratch and dent appliance place. That's where I went, Zach. <laughs> 
when when I lived in Egypt, this is 20 years ago, uh, I had a laptop computer and and one day I just sort of like accidentally could have like tripped over the cord and I ended up um, like ripping out the, I don't know, the spigot that basically connects the, the plug into the computer. And all of a sudden without this piece, I could not charge my laptop. And I was like, oh, like I live in Egypt. I'm going to have to order a new charger and it's just going to be hard with like international shipping. It's going to cost me just a ton of money. So I went to an electronics store in Egypt and they didn't have the plug uh, that I that, that would work with my computer. However, the guy looked at the little spigot and my plug. He's like, I'll just fix that. And I'm like, what? Like, you're going to fix a plug? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, like, we'll just solder it back together. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, what's that going to cost me? Thinking that this is like, he's doing brain surgery. He's like, it cost you $2. And I'm like, oh, okay, let's just do that then. And the guy like <laughs> took it for 24 hours. The next thing I know, I've got the same piece and, you know, some guy with a tiny little like welding blowtorch or something like soldered it back together. It worked fine for two dollars. And I just all of a sudden recognized that, oh, Egypt is a company is a country with a major like import taxes. It's really hard to get certain foreign goods into the into the country. And therefore, people still have to have skills like fixing things is a normal part of the day there based upon the price of other goods. And it made me think of like Cuba still running those like cars from like the 1920s on their streets. And they have like millions of miles and like everybody just knows how to fix everything because that's what the market demands there. Yes. Fifties, not 20 sec. They're not driving Sorry, 1920s. 50s. Maybe yeah, there, I bet you there might be some Model Ts running around, right? <laughs> I want to see a Model T running around Cuba. Oh God, I don't know. It was a fascinating article, and as you said at the very end, that was a great quote. Where, uh, what if I could make you something that will last twice as long? You just can't return it, and nobody wanted that product. Everybody just wants to be able to have the out. Yep. Well, it's fascinating, and uh, we'll post a link to the article. I recommend everybody read it. Everybody reflect upon how much stuff they're returning and reflect upon the carbon footprint, because I do wonder if maybe this is where our environmental conversations need to begin. Good start. Definitely. Don, it's been a pleasure talking this week. I look forward to talking with you next week. Absolutely, Zach. Have a good one. Take care. Bye.